It's This Week in Moab. I'm Molly Marcello, your host. I have an interview for everyone. <laughs> I have an interview for all you listeners out there. Um, I got the word that Jen Zuner and Ann Keller, who are the founders of the Hot Tomato Pizzeria, um, they're now filmmakers. And I had the chance to check in with them when they were down here doing a series of interviews last fall. And they're back in Moab for the spring season. Their uh, movie, it's uh, got a working title called Ghost Town. And it's about small, passionate, independent restaurants struggling to keep their doors open. And they kind of ask a few critical questions, or they are asking of, uh, you know, our communities, communities like Moab that have a housing crisis, worker shortages, and are surrounded by public lands and rely on the tourism economy. They're asking, you know, what happens when we lose the people who love to serve us? What happens when we lose our gathering places? What happens when we lose the heart and soul of our communities? So kind of heavy questions. And um, they're seeking solutions. They're, you know, telling these stories. And I can't wait to see this film. <laughs> um, they're still in the process of making it, though. So when they were uh, in Moab, I had the chance to uh, talk to them. Um, I talked to them, like I said, uh, last year for a documentary that we did on KZMU News called Welcome to Moab. I'm going to play a clip um, from Welcome to Moab to sort of set the scene of what we're talking about here. I think um, the spring season, we've all had a little break. We can forget what it's like at the end of the fall season when everybody is a bit burned out. Um, so here's a little clip. It's uh, it's going to start with me. <laughs> this is me. Um, I'm live currently, but I'm about to send us on a clip that's pre-recorded. Um, and then we're going to hear from Jen and Anne in our KZMU News documentary. And I believe uh, it al- this clip also includes one of our local restaurant owners talking about the situation um, here in our town. Okay, something you should keep in mind before we keep going. Moab's not alone in feeling like running a restaurant right now is extra hard. Lots of industry workers from popular outdoor communities are saying things are way out of balance. Tourism in many of these outdoorsy areas is at an all-time high. There are some months in Moab's own 2021 sales tax revenue that local experts call unprecedented. Visitors are up, but everything else feels, well, stretched thin. People are asking, how can this continue? I mean, it, it feels like it's at a breaking point right now. Jen Zuner. 15 years ago now, she and her wife, Ann Keller, opened the beloved Hot Tomato Pizzeria in nearby Fruta, Colorado. They actually recently sold it to one of their longtime managers and expected to take a little well-earned time off this year. But instead, they ended up with a new project. They're filming a documentary about the challenges of operating independent restaurants in communities like Moab. Here's Anne. We were traveling this summer and we were on our way to Crested Butte and we called a friend who lives in CB and she was like, hey, just so you know, so you have the heads up, most restaurants here are closed either Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, some variation of those days because they can't find enough staff. Just so you have, yeah, just so you have the heads up because I know you guys are coming here, you like to go out to eat and just be prepared. We showed up in CB and every single business has a help wanted sign on it. She was accurate. Most of the top restaurants are closed multiple days a week or they have reduced hours. And so it started us down this train of like, 
this is a really big story and there's multiple layers to the story. And then we started traveling around to all of these communities in Colorado, Telluride, Ridgeway, Gunnison, Uray, Salida, Buena Vista, and then we came to Moab. And it's the same story everywhere. And it's, it's shocking. The working title of their documentary is Ghost Town. It's named after the Ghost Town coffee shop in Telluride, Colorado, which closed its doors for good just this summer. That coffee shop has been called the living room of that community. Their owner told the Telluride Daily Planet that it wasn't lack of business that caused them to close. It was the constant struggle to hire and retain employees, the impatience from customers, and the associated low morale. It just broke them. It seemed like that was just a really locally loved place that brought a lot of community and sense of place to Telluride. Their name came sort of tongue-in-cheek as a reference to what happens to Telluride if only wealthy people can live there. What's the town going to look like? Is it going to look like a ghost town Mm -hmm. with vacant homes and people flying in for two weeks out of the year and that's it. So ironic that that was the place that closed as well and sad. There's, there's been this shift where lack of business isn't the problem anymore. Mm-hmm. It's lack of staffing. Yep. But due to lack of staffing, business owners are forced to make a decision that ultimately affects their bottom line. Yeah, I don't know. I worry, I worry about this gutting of yeah. the middle, the middle well, and the lower range places. And I, I think that that's where a lot of the creativity and the magic happens and the community happens in in towns are the places that aren't five-star and ridiculously expensive because they're accessible to a broader audience. Yeah, Yeah. and I think these are the places that are struggling the most. Yeah. You know, I don't think independent restaurants are in here doing this because they're getting rich. I think they're doing it because they want to really give their community a gathering place and be a part of the bigger picture. Well, the only way we can grow and be in the community is by, like, collaborating, supporting, and giving back, and, you know, not just being, we're not just a restaurant, and that was my, always what I kind of put my fist down on. I was like, we're not just a restaurant. How can we do more? Natalie Zollinger. She and her partner, Alex Boroshevsky, run things at 98 Center. Natalie takes that mindset of building community over food seriously. The pair say it kind of started over a decade ago when Alex and his business partner Frankie Winfrey opened Sabaku Sushi. People come in and sit down from all walks of life, locals or tourists, and then start up a conversation and become friends, make friends, just sitting at the sushi bar. So that was uh, really cool to see that and and promote that and uh, that was a big part of our motive for Sabaku Sushi was to create a space that's uh, inviting and friendly and interactive. At Sushi like it was like a cheers where everyone knew your name and like remember there'd be like certain locals that had a chair and you're like don't sit in that chair like also it's like a special place people would go for anniversaries, birthdays, um, first dates. First dates. And we'd be like, oh, you two are dating. Like, it, we, we, we knew when it was public. Like, if you came to sushi, be prepared for people to talk that you were with someone else, right? It was like your public appearance with uh, your significant other. I love knowing my community. And it's that's, I think, where it's hard to think that, like, if you, if you did sell a restaurant, like, you would... I wouldn't have a pulse on it anymore. Um, And not that I know everyone in town, but I know a lot of faces, and I've seen a lot of people come and go, and it's like, I love that. I love knowing people, and I love 
being able to just be known. This, for Natalie, is the ideal. Helping run a place that promotes community for everyone involved, provides jobs, serves people's sustenance, it all seems straightforward. But the last couple years, not at all. Underpinning the record-breaking amount of customers is the stress of the pandemic. Underpinning that, the housing crisis. Then come worker shortages. Next is overwork and burnout. And, oh yeah, the supply chain is messed up and often unreliable. No one is operating at 100% in these conditions. Natalie remembers the moment this year when this all hurt the most. We had a a review come in from a local. They said, I will never come back. A local saying that they would never come back because something happened. And I'm like, do you know what we're going through? I wish they knew what we were going through. I want to talk about what's going on because... It's really stressful and like everyone's at their max and oh, the person you were talking to, do you realize that she still hasn't found a house and lives with her car and her and her dog and like is doing the best she can and she shows up every day. Can you just give them a second too and a chance? We're all little ticking time bombs and can we just, yeah, have a little bit more support and love and like understanding of what we're all going Compassion. Through. Compassion. My employee just rolled in to like, I was talking with another employee. He was just coming up to get some some fruit out of the out of the cooler. He's like, oh, hey, by the way, anybody know of a place to live? Because I'm looking for a house. Workforce housing has been like getting worse and worse and finding people and keeping people around is... It's not easy in a town of, you know, uh, 5,500 people. And we see 3 million tourists a year to, like, supply all the jobs that we have in this town because, because there is so much opportunity. So because of the explosive growth of the tourism in town, we have all of these new jobs available to everybody, all these things happening, and yet there's, like, a vacuum of workforce. This is how it's affecting us right now. It feels like a vacuum of of workforce. Like a black hole. (laughs) (laughs) That's a clip from our 2021 documentary, Welcome to Moab. Um, You're tuned into This Week in Moab. I'm Molly Marcello, your host for this evening. I played this clip because I got to check back in with some folks that you heard earlier in that clip. Ann Keller and Jen Zuner. They're making a film. Um, They are the former proprietors of the Hot Tomato Pizzeria in Fruta, Colorado. And uh, they were inspired to make a uh, documentary piece about um, the places um, in these small towns that serve the public, that are reliant on the tourism economy, that are struggling right now, especially restaurants, because that's um, obviously as proprietors of the hot tomato, um, that's where their passions lie. Um, So they were in Moab this weekend conducting interviews for their film. Um, They'll be back later this season. And I got them up to the KZMU studio to do an interview. Um, We'll hear um, part one of that interview now. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to KZMU Moab Community Radio on your dial at 90.1 and 106.7 FM. This is This Week in Moab. All right, here's Jen and Ann. My name is Ann Keller. And my name is Jen Zuner. 
I, I'm curious if your film actually has a, a final title, because when I last talked to you in the fall, it had a working title. The working title is Ghost Town, and I think that that still feels applicable the more we dive into the story. Mm-hmm. So it, it, that might be the official title, but I'm not going to go as far as to say that because okay. we could change, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> for the time being, we're still calling it that. Okay, then I, I'll just reference it as Ghost Town. <laughs> Do you mind reminding us about this project sure. and where it started? Sure. Yeah, it started, we both ran, we we founded and owned the Hot Tomato and Fruita for 15 years, so we're well-versed with the restaurant industry, and it started last summer when we were traveling and we were noticing all the help-wanted signs on restaurants, and not just restaurants, but specifically, that's what we focused on because of our connection to the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. And help-wanted signs looking, you know, everyone was short-staffed, people were closed multiple days a week, people, you know, there were certain businesses that just closed altogether because they couldn't deal with the staffing issues and it was endemic across all the communities that we went to last summer in Colorado and Utah so that's that's where the project initially started and the film itself is about the challenges of running small businesses specifically restaurants in this time of the difficulty with with staffing and can you tell us you know why a film yeah we're still trying to figure that out That's kind of how we do things. We like get into something and then we're like, why are we doing this? Uh, I know. Well, why did we choose such a hard thing? Um, <laughs> no, I've always been interested in documentary filmmaking. Uh-huh. And when we sold the restaurant last year, I had the ability to actually mm. consider that on a serious level. And then you said, this is a subject that I'm passionate about. Yep. Let's see if I can do this. Yep, totally. absolutely. <laughs> okay. And I think, too, a lot of our friends in the restaurant industry had called us. Um, throughout this process and they were like how did you guys sell your business how did you guys deal with this how did you handle this how did you create these systems how like just all these things and I think it when we saw it up close and personal when we were traveling it really and was like I need my camera and I'm going to start doing this and Mm -hmm. so it's been really cool to be able to jump into that and and see that and I think also have the ability to connect with people in the restaurant industry that have trust and belief in us and so I think they're really being honest with their stories of where they are and I think that's really important right now because it's we're finding that it's much more difficult than we ever even imagined Mm. okay yeah I remember talking to you um last fall and it I'm I'm, the same image is popping up like a peeling of an onion like you're Mm -hmm. fine you find oh maybe it's you know just a housing issue and then you peel back that layer and it's income inequality it's all the things Mm -hmm. yeah well where did you start your project you know what towns did you start Sure. We started in Colorado in a lot of mountain towns. We started it in August and September. And so by nature of just the time of the year, we were traveling to some of the mountain towns in Colorado. So places like Crested Butte, Telluride, Gunnison, Ridgeway. And then later into the fall, we came back, we came over to Moab for the first time. Yeah. So Colorado and Utah is specific right now. Okay. You went in August and September Yeah. and you've been doing more interviews this mm-hmm. time around. So what's, what's been happening this year? <laughs> feels the same. Oh, feels so, feels which, the same plus like rising cost of goods. Totally. I wish there was like a camera in here, right? Like just to see all three of our faces. We're just sort of like, uh, uh, yeah. 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 It's just, you know, I think, I think you're right. And the rising cost of, of goods and all, just all the things like everything is, it just feels big and bold and in everyone's face. And, you know, we were down by the park last night and, you know, Ann and I used to live here 
granted it was like 20 years ago, mm-hmm. but hanging out down by the park and just seeing so many people in their vehicles, it was really kind of really, I don't know, hit at home a lot last night. I think that's really heartbreaking to see all mm-hmm. these things. And we're just trying to figure out how we can give it a voice and move forward from there. I think we're living in a time right now in Moab and since January or really since December, we've um, been hearing of um, evictions. Um, Evictions are starting. Um, I know that this did happen in the 90s and early 2000s, but now it's like a new wave of evictions. We've had um, trailer courts that are being converted into different, you know, residential uses. One mm. is like high-end condos. Um, another one that is likely going to be converted into residential housing, but um, also commercial use. Just last week in the news, the Moab Sun reported that where Navtech guides were sleeping mm-hmm. in trailers and campers for, you know, one for one guide for a decade. That's where he lived in his trailer um, because of complaints and because of the county's camping ordinance. Um, they now have until the end of June to leave. And that affects guides at Navtech. So it keeps ratcheting up, I guess. Like, even if, you know, you have the option of sleeping in your car, which is not a great option for everybody. Not everybody wants to do that. Now it's like, where can you do that? Mm -hmm. Um, And so more people are going to public lands and that's getting more crowded. And I'm just curious if you're seeing that in all these towns. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The phenomenon of employees camping on public lands is definitely something that we saw in a Mm -hmm. lot of the communities very much so. And then the transition of people losing long-term rental housing when houses get sold um, Mm -hmm. either to a second homeowner or someone who's going to convert it to a short-term rental is also really common in a lot of the communities that we've been to. So how are you structuring your interviews? Are you focusing on housing? Are you checking back in with certain people or? Yeah. 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 We're focusing on that. The, we spent much of last year, our focus was interviews, making sure that we had the story accurate and getting a cross section of owners, employees, city council members, realtors, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And for this go around, what we'd like to do, our, our ultimate goal is to create more of a narrative style sure. piece. And so to find probably two main characters that um, kind of embody the full story. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we're going back and revisiting these communities and actually following employees or following owners. And that's the process that we're at right now. Have you noticed any changes from where you <sighs> Things were in August to where, you know, either with their emotional state, their financial state, sure, um, what they're thinking about. I think everyone's energy is just really ramped up mm. Um, mm-hmm. from from this, the fall when we were here to now. They, they're just, it just seems like maybe when some people first came to town, they had this idea that they were just going to camp for a while and it was going to be this cool, fun thing, which, you know, we did and when we were in our 20s as well. But now they're at a point where they really want to find something and they're realizing that there's not a lot to find. So I think some of the people we have been interviewing, I mean, you could just, you just feel it from them. You can see it on their faces. You can see it in their vehicles of which they're in and have been in now for a long period of time. There's a a lot more stuff, a lot more things, Mm. Um, you know, and it's, it's hard. I mean, I can't imagine going and working a 40 hour work week, especially now because it's insane and not being able to take a shower and not have a bathroom or not being able to cook food for myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm just eating restaurant food every day. I mean, it's just, 
I think it's just starting to really, it feels like it's starting to really weigh on a lot of people and people that are just determined to make it work are starting to, I don't know, maybe crumble a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe feel a little more defeated than they have been in the past. And then I think employers are trying to just keep the morale high and try to support them as much as possible. And I think that's one thing that's really wonderful about these small communities is every business owner out there is really, really trying mm-hmm. to wrap their arms around their team and, and keep them safe and keep them boosted above water, if you will. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think it's also interesting, you know, this is spring season. And so when we were here last year, we mm-hmm. were here in the fall. And so the, at, at that tail end of your guys' season. And so we're, we definitely plan to check back in multiple times throughout the year because it's easy in spring. Like, you know, I, I think one of the things from some of the stories that we've heard is that there might be this initial staffing push in spring and maybe that went successfully, but then due to attrition or due to displacement, like you start to lose some of those employees throughout the season. And by fall, when we were here last year, you know, you're cooked, right? You've gone through this like busy spring, busy summer, end of busy fall. And that's where I think the cracks really start to show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know like last, last fall when you were doing interviews and the people I was talking to, it was like total burnout. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. And then there's like a little break. Yep. (laughs) Then you can get your ducks in a row and try to go on a hiring spree Mm -hmm. and have fully staffed Mm -hmm. early spring. Yeah. But then, you know, Moab, you know, I think we'll have a busy summer this year again. Um, We'll have a busy fall. And then, like you said, it's going to take a toll. Mm -hmm. Um, So business owners now, I mean, here in Moab, but also in other towns, are you finding them implementing Band-Aid solutions on their own? And what are those? (laughs) Yeah, definitely businesses are still providing housing. Mm -hmm. And that was something that was brand new to us last year when we were doing these interviews. You know, that was kind of unfathomable for us as business owners. Um, And I think we just got lucky, honestly, Mm -hmm. just our time of of running our business Mm -hmm. didn't happen to coincide with with the steep increase in house prices. But I think that that's going to become more of a reality for for small Mm -hmm. business owners. And that just takes such a financial hit. Um, So there's still that. And I think, you know, honestly, as a business owner, like you're the one that gets the call when someone is sick or someone doesn't show up for a shift. And that that doesn't change. And I think that that just happens more frequently mm-hmm. now that, you know, you see the owners in there. They're the ones working the dish shift mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. they're the ones having to come in and open really early or close late. Like that that just doesn't go away. But I think that that's uh, intensified. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, you know, when you start a business in our experience, you're you're in it every day. And then you finally get to a point where you get some systems and you get some a good team built around you and you can kind of go back and work on your business to kind of keep it afloat. And, you know, we were lucky enough to have that. And then, you know, when we got the calls to come in, we definitely did those things. But now it feels like every owner we have talked to is back in the weeds, mm. in the in the dish pit, in the on the line, mm-hmm. doing all the things on top of working on. And I think that's the other piece that a lot of people don't see. You know, you have maybe 20 or 30 or 40 employees and you're taking care of all of them on the day to day. Mm -hmm. But then you also have all the other, you know, back of the house stuff to handle. We were talking to Alex at 98 one day a couple weeks ago and 
he had come back after we come going to 98 to work for a while. We're like, how was your day? He's like, oh, it was great. I just worked through the box of invoices that I haven't had time to go uh-huh, through. Sure. You know, and, and normally, you know, a week of invoices is maybe only a half an inch high. Sure. And, you know, he had weeks of invoices wow. and he raised his hands about five inches deep. He's like, I just had all this paperwork to do. Mm-hmm. I think we all forget about that when we're just in it. You know, right. we're, we're going as customers and we're getting this wonderful experience and we're not really seeing the bigger picture of what's happening behind the scenes. Yeah. That's Jen Zuner, also Ann Keller. spoke to them over the weekend when they were here in Moab filming for um, their documentary called Ghost Town. You're tuned into KZMU Moab Community Radio. It's This Week in Moab. I'm your host this week, Molly. Um, Thanks for being here with us. You know, we did a documentary last year that touched on some of the similar themes that Jen and Anne are working on um, with their film documentary. And I wanted to segue to another short clip from Welcome to Moab, which was the name of ours. Um, This one, we have Bella from Ty Bella um, talking about running her restaurant. And we'll also hear um, a little bit more from Jen and Ann back then. All right, here's, here's that clip. Hi, my name is Bella. I'm an owner of the Ty Bella restaurant in Moab. I can say Moab has been growing like fast, um, especially the past five years. It has been busier and busier every year. So, you know, it's good. It's just we have a few other problems that kind of not really helping us with the busier season, like, you know, the housing for the, the locals here. So, you know, when my employees aren't able to find housing because it has become so expensive and um, if they do can afford one what they have to do is actually getting multiple jobs to afford it and that actually affects you know my end just because um, it actually takes them away from being able to work like fully at my location because they, you know, they have to do multiple jobs. Even before I started Tybella, I just thought if the housing was the problem. So I went ahead and um, actually rent housing for my employees. I think if the employers can provide housing for the employees, I think that would help them so much. What I have to do is actually I have to increase the food price to actually cover, of course, the higher food costs nowadays after the pandemic, everything went up in prices. And I had to increase the food price just because, like I said, I have to cover, you know, for my employees' rent. So that's another reason why, you know, I have to increase my food price. There's a fair number of owners that we've talked to that have been put in a position where they need to find rental housing for staff or they are in they're buying properties that they're using for employee housing and that just feels insane to me to to just be to that position where this entirely falls on the private sector to figure out the issue to figure out like the answer to this there's added lines on business owners pnls for rentals it's it's just this is nothing that we had to deal with and it just feels insane i mean those listening to natalie and alex talk about making phone calls, trying to find housing. They're just like moving pieces on a chessboard. They're like, okay, this person needs housing. Can we put them over here? 
because that's you know they need basically people. we're just we're relying on our network of friends with with rooms to find housing for people you know right people with the right people over the winter I actually uh, put a house under contract for employee housing and it just didn't work out because there was not the right funding because it was a trailer that needed private funding and cash yeah, and, and there's like no way we could afford that and, and uh, <laughs> after a while like the numbers <clears throat> just didn't didn't add up as far as buying affordable housing and su supplying that for our employees that's just has not been feasible i think that they need people to be to be an employee and to not have stable secure housing like that's that the the mental strain the emotional strain on that of course is going to follow you into your workplace and if you're an owner and you're just trying to like get through the shift <laughs> you're kind of doing whatever you can to just make sure people are stable i don't think people are not trying to do something i think they don't know what to do i think they just didn't expect it to to hit as hard as it did and you know all these communities we need our tourism we need people coming because we know the ups and downs of our communities but now it's just like, you're exactly right, it's a runaway train and everybody's like, what the heck do we do? Do you crack and close? Because we also have to take care of our own mental health. And I think that's gonna play out pretty big in the next year. I think this is a critical issue and I think we need some state and federal help. Mm -hmm. And I think people really need to like, come and look at all these little towns and see what's happening because it's not just happening here. I mean, it's happening everywhere, um, in other countries, and it's just, I don't know, it's, it's a bit overwhelming to think about what's going to happen to the restaurant industry of what we all know and love. That's another clip from the KZMU News documentary, Welcome to Moab, um, that first aired last fall. Welcome back. This is This Week in Moab. I'm your host, Molly Marcello. Um, we're playing clips from that audio documentary because we spoke to other documentarians, Jen Zuner and Ann Keller, who were featured in, in the clips that we have been hearing throughout the program. They're creating a documentary film about the restaurant industry and the struggles the industry is facing with uh, severe staffing shortages. They're asking some pretty interesting questions among them. You know, what happens when the divide in desirable recreation communities uh, between restaurant workers and those who can afford to live there becomes too much. Um, and they're exploring this over a couple of years, and they were here in Moab recently. We're going to hear the second part of an interview that I did with them when they were um, here over the weekend. This next clip, you know, I did ask them about solutions, and they are looking um, for viable solutions to feature in their documentary. So if you have them, um, I can put you in touch with them. <laughs> All right, here's uh, round two of our interview with uh, documentarians and uh, proprietors of the Hot Tomato Pizzeria, uh, Jen Zuner and Ann Keller. You know, sometimes I've heard like, hey, this is the price of doing business <laughs> in a tourism <laughs> town. And there's an assumption that these small business owners are making bank, you right. know, and if you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. Can yeah. you address that attitude that kind of shows up sometimes? Yeah. Um, there's so many behind the scenes costs that people never see unless mm -hmm. you're unless you're in it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's tourist towns also 
generally come with higher labor costs. They come with higher rental and operation costs Mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, lease um, mortgage costs for your business. And so all of that contributes. Of course it does. You know, it's, it's more expensive to run a business in a place like Moab than it is likely in a small town in the Midwest, let's say. Um, So yes, it's the cost of doing business, but what's the alternative? You know, do we want a town that doesn't have restaurants? Do we want a town that doesn't have retail shops? Like, I don't know, people come here and they come here from all over across the country and across the world. And, and, we want amenities. I want to come to Moab mm-hmm. and go get a breakfast burrito and coffee from the Love Muffin. Mm-hmm. Um, I like cooking, but I like going out to places. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. I think it's, it's a little unfair to kind of point that at someone mm-hmm. and say, you created this, like you deal with these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you don't go into this business blindly, or if you do, you learn pretty quickly yeah. <laughs> what the reality is behind it. Um, mm-hmm. Things just, things cost a lot in these towns. It costs yeah. a lot to run a business. And you're not making money hand over fist in a restaurant, (laughs) for sure. And I know that you two have talked about, um, you know, you're focused on local businesses, too, that provide, you know, cultural hubs for community as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you mind speaking to that a little bit? Sure. I mean, it's it's I don't want to say absolutely the franchises are dealing with the exact same thing. Um, Everyone's in the same boat in these communities. You're all pulling from the same hiring pool. But it felt important to us to to really focus on the businesses that did provide the community hub because I think that these are the ones that when they do close, mm-hmm. the losses felt the most acutely. And that's what we've seen in some of the towns that we've been to where you do have these locally loved places mm-hmm. shutting their doors. Um, you know, it, it's it's. And it's an investment to own a franchise just as much, right? And it's it's it hurts someone when they do close, and it, it hurts your employees, mm-hmm. it hurts the person who who is the mm-hmm. franchisee. But the community element; these are oftentimes not the gathering hubs, mm-hmm. and so the community really loses something when right. the locally loved places close. And I remember you telling me that story about you know where this working title of your film came from, Ghost Town, yeah. um, the coffee shop in Telluride, which mm-hmm. did close mm-hmm. and was a, a blow to the community. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And I remember talking to business owners last fall at the end of the you know <laughs> at the bottom of the burnout or <laughs> the top of the burnout, whatever you want to say, like not knowing how they were going to make it through another season. Yeah. Um, which is wild. And now here's the season upon us. Mm-hmm. And there's also the the kind of new issue of rising cost of goods. Mm-hmm. Um, these pressures, it's not just from our pandemic, right? But mm-hmm. how is the pandemic related? Cost of goods for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I would say yes. And. Yes, yes. And mm-hmm. um, it just feels like a lot of people that we're talking to aren't really talking about the pandemic as mm-hmm. much as we were. You know, now it's more about how do we get our employees into a safe place? How do we raise prices to meet this demand of new cost of goods? Mm-hmm. And again, as a local gathering place, be able to support our community. Mm-hmm. You know, like avocados, we all know by going to the grocery store, one day they're 39 cents and the next week they're $2.39. Mm-hmm. And so there's no rhyme or reason and you can't just keep changing your menu, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's a commodity. So how do you... How do you figure out what where that lies and how do you, I don't know, come up with a, 
a fair way to do business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that I feel has been a big thing, like like these local business owners being like, do we raise prices? Mm-hmm. How do we do this? What do we raise it on? We don't want to scare away people. We want our locals to still come down and eat once or twice a week because mm-hmm. we want to offer that to them. But if we raise our prices too much, mm-hmm. how, you know, how yeah. do we do that? I mean, no one's going to pay $40 for a pizza, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So it's like you want to try to keep what you're selling things at at a reasonable price so people can come in and mm-hmm. still... We can still give them that love, you know, mm-hmm. and that transactional love, if you will, uh, because we all need that. And that's, I think that's been really, really interesting to hear. A couple of different business owners have talked a lot about that, about, yeah. okay, team, we had to raise our prices. This is why, mm-hmm. you know, this is coaching their, their team on how to talk to people through that because not everybody gets it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we talked about, I know we talked about this last time, the, the increase in house prices is there's, there's a, of course, yeah. a direct correlation sure. to, yeah remote work and and people Mm -hmm. fleeing more urban communities to come to these small towns. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing any um, solutions? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. We're seeing a lot of arguments about zoning. Uh Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's, Uh um, I mean, I think that the solution that everyone touts, of course, is, is deed restricted and affordable housing Mm -hmm. and absolutely important and also contentious in a lot of communities. Uh Yeah. yeah, and also not an immediate fix. Like, mm-hmm. unfortunately, a lot of these communities needed solutions ten years ago, and at the time, at, at, at the current crisis, like, you know, we need band aid solutions for the short term, mm-hmm. and um, building housing often takes years and years and years. I had a strange experience. <laughs> I think it was last week, um, where uh, I was helping co-host one of our um, public affairs shows, and one of the longtime hosts brought out some archival audio from an interview she did. Um, I, I think it was like in the early 2000s and it was with um, someone who was in the Grand County or Moab City Economic Development Department. And he was talking about these very same issues wow. <laughs> and how wow. locals can't afford um, to pay $130,000 for their home. Wow. And now, you know, like 20 years later, we're like, okay, $500,000 for a home. Um, But he was outlining, he's like, pretty soon, you know, it's going to be harder to, you know, attract employees. And like literally these same issues. (laughs) And it was so bizarre. And she was kind of making a point like these, we've known this issue was coming, but um, how do you steer the ship? Like, mm-hmm. is it local government? Is it grassroots action? Is it like state level? Is it federal level? Like, yeah, it feels like a runaway train, but it's not something that we weren't aware of because right. yeah. yeah. the right. tracks were being built, you right. know, for yeah. it. So <laughs> and, absolutely. And as we're all seeing, it's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. It's across the country. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at this point, I think it is a federal level. I don't know how we get there. So if anyone has ideas, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, that's just not in our wheelhouse, yeah. but we're, we're doing as much research as we can on our end and right. reading everything we can get our hands on to try to figure it out. But I think, yeah, I think it has to come from a federal level at this point because mm-hmm. it is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, are mountain towns and towns like Moab surrounded by public lands and national parks uniquely affected? Cause I know it is yeah. happening. These, you know, increasing housing prices are happening across the country, but how are these towns uniquely affected? I think the answer is yes. And it's a couple of reasons. One mm-hmm. is public land access to public land and recreation has become extremely desirable, especially mm-hmm. through COVID. 
And so you have an increased interest in these communities. And then B, being buffered by public lands, you have natural boundaries. And so you're limited in your growth just simply in that mm-hmm. regard. So you've, uh, you know, I think one person called like Telluride the world's prettiest state park, right? <laughs> <laughs> and state park community or something mm-hmm. like that. You're like, yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's unparalleled. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. And it's mm-hmm. also tiny Mm -hmm. and has borders and its development is going to be limited and so Mm -hmm. the more you limit development the more exclusive these communities become Mm -hmm. so it's the inner it's the intersection of a lot of that creates yeah and then there's the complication of like we can't really build ourselves out right right, of the housing crisis either even if we had millions of acres to develop that's where the deed restrictions and the zoning comes Mm -hmm. in I don't want to keep you here forever, but I I did want to see where you were in the process of making the film and what your plan is for this year. Yeah. So our plan is to, so we're, we're still in the very early stages of this. We're in the fundraising stage and then, you know, continued production stage. Mm -hmm. And so our plan is to revisit a lot of the same communities and then really focus on less on the interviews and more upon character development and Mm -hmm. the narrative element of it. Yeah. You have a, a couple of great storytellers in your film already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, we also have a GoFundMe page set up. Anything we could, any help we could get at this point um, would be wonderful. We're, we're hoping to get some bigger sponsors along the way because this is a really important story and it's really dear to our hearts. And we really want to give this a voice and see this, you know, make a difference in, in somebody's life along the way. Okay. Anything else that you think our listeners should know? I mean, are you looking for, you know? Yeah, we're always um, we're always open to connections mm-hmm. for specifically. I think right now the biggest need is employees in the service industry, restaurant specific, who are being displaced from their homes or who are can't who have been kind of relegated to camping on public lands, maybe not by choice. Mm-hmm. Um, they prefer to be in a house and just are facing this on the day-to-day in terms of the difficulty of finding housing. Yeah, absolutely. We can put your contact information out there unless you want to share an email right now. for um, our listeners, yeah. you yeah. can we can just share a, my personal email, which is <laughs> Jen Zuner, J E N Z E U N E R at yahoo.com. Um, and I would be happy to hear from anybody and, and get some some ideas on this. Uh, city council, if you're listening, we would <laughs> love to talk to you guys too. <laughs> we have put calls out to various people, they have not gotten back to us as of yet, really? but. We're open to just sitting down and talking. I mean, we don't want to point a finger at anyone. We're really trying to find a solution and help people getting some houses. That's uh, Jen Zuner and Ann Keller in conversation with me over the weekend. Uh, They were in Moab shooting their documentary. Working title is Ghost Town. It's about um, small independent restaurants um, in towns like Moab that are struggling to keep their doors open. Throughout the last hour, we also heard clips from a documentary KZMU News did last fall called Welcome to Moab. Um, If you want to find that, you can search around on our website (laughs) in the search bar, type in Welcome to Moab. Um, But I'll also 
um, put together this episode of This Week in Moab with all the show notes and links and all the fun stuff. Jen Zuner, yeah, if you um, do want to contact her, if you have an experience that you want to share or a thought that you think would be helpful in their creation of that documentary, they are open to it. Jen Zuner's email again is J-E-N-Z-E-U-N-E-R at yahoo.com. Like she just said, she especially would love to hear from service workers struggling with housing right now to tell to tell their story thanks so much for tuning in this has been this week in moab on kzmu moab on a lighter note on a more um just amazing note kzmu just blasted out of the water with our last radiothon um we are completely amazed and thrilled and just so grateful we raised more than forty five thousand dollars um in pledges and donations this radiothon and listener i you know one of the reasons this is so amazing typically our goal is thirty five thousand dollars We raised it to $40,000 this year, um, aiming to raise a little more money for equipment upgrades as well as youth programs and the community. It's over 40, it's $45,000 in pledges and donations. And all of that money is going straight back into this wild and woolly community grassroots independent radio station. We have this big um, picture that our KZMU music director Crystal Bunch did in our on-air studio. It's a picture of a lake and each fish in that lake (laughs) represents a thousand dollars and the fish are just jumping out (laughs) of the lake right now and I think station manager Sarah Mead this afternoon wrote on the bottom of it, Lake KZMU runneth over and that's how we feel. feel, um, We just feel so grateful and also responsible to our community. This is your community radio station. You can also take a listener survey um, if you've got five minutes, maybe even less than. That listener survey is at kzmu.org. It's at the top of the page. You'll see it beneath our Radiothon information, and that really helps us know where to put our efforts with programming and what you like or dislike or feel neutral about or, you know, have an opinion on. (laughs) This is, like I said, this is your community radio station, and thank you, thank you so much to every listener who donated um, to this program, to all our programs, our amazing, very diverse programming. We hope to do more, do better, um, go big. Um, I think that's in my mind because Paul Smythe is on deck for our big swing face later this evening, which you'll hear him uh, talk about going big, which we certainly did this radiothon. All right, well, I'm going to turn uh, the mic over to some music before 6 p.m. Democracy Now! is at 6, KZMU News at 7, and Big Swing Face uh, around 7.10, so keep it tuned. You can catch This Week in Moab on the airwaves most Mondays of every month at 5 p.m.